I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Yo, here on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. My name is Nate Abareya. Thank you so much for making the show a part of your daily plans on all of our fantastic Sports Byline affiliates. Thanks for subscribing to the podcast via iTunes. Leave us a review on iTunes when you get a chance. Tune in, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, WorldSoccerTalk.com. Special hello to the men and women overseas listening to this show via the American Forces Network. Get involved in the Twitter game, the wild, wild Twitter sphere at World Soccer Talk and at Nate WST to get a hold of me. Many of you who listen to this show have had some very interesting things to say. We'll, we'll, we'll leave it at interesting in regards to the latest uh, news we'll call it, from the United States Soccer Federation and uh, the implementation of this header ban in youth soccer. And we're going to have Thomas Rongan on the show today. And Thomas has had some very interesting things to say on Twitter and elsewhere over the last few days, conversing with the likes of Taylor Twelman, Kyle Martino, Alexi Lalez, Brian McBride has had some some very, very good points uh, that he's made in this discussion. And it's so important with this discussion to not paint with a broad brush, to not just take a big, sweeping, generalizing brush over this topic. This is a topic with so much complexity, with so many different viewpoints that need to be heard. No matter what end of the spectrum they're on, it is important to listen to every side in this debate. I have no time for for ignorant BS and some of the stuff that was directed at Taylor Twelman over the last couple of days. I also have no interest in hearing someone just neglect to even listen to the other side, whatever side they may be on. It is so important to be well-rounded in this discussion. That is what I'm aiming to do today uh, with Thomas on the show. So I cannot wait to get Mr. Rongan on with us here in the next segment and talk all about headers, concussions, and what it means for U.S. soccer moving forward. This is going to be a very good show. Hope you stick around. Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. This is World Soccer Talk Radio.
listening to World Soccer Talk Radio with your host, Nada Barea, on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. Where are you from, mate? Just around. Welcome back in to World Soccer Talk Radio here on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. My name is Nate Abarea. Tweet me at NateWST and tweet us all at World Soccer Talk. Promised a very compelling discussion for your listening pleasure here in this edition of the show. And it is a great pleasure to welcome back to the show a man you've heard here on World Soccer Talk Radio already a few times in our short history doing this thing. Thomas Rongen, thank you so much for uh, coming back, sir. It transitions perfectly into to what I want to throw to you now, Thomas, and that is this idea of, of political correctness. And, and without undermining the legitimate concerns of anybody here, I have to ask this question. Are, are we living in a, 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 a modern-day society where political correctness is, is hurting the sport that we love? Um, to a certain point, it, it does. Uh, I, I think this, to me, is a is a is a perfect example. You got Mayor Mayor versus FIFA and U.S. Soccer, and all of a sudden the, the wheels still in motion. We 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 have to do something. Um, the uneducated parents bite into that. Then the educated player, like Taylor Swellman, makes us aware that there is some issues that need to be addressed. And I totally. Totally get that. Saying that, I don't think that Electro Escondarians, Marcelo Bobo, they, they referenced it themselves. They got rocked in college. They got rocked on a pro level. They didn't get the severe concussion that they ended up with because they had a ball at a young age. Um, some people might say it has contributed to a certain extent. I don't think so. First of all, look at the games. Through probably Q12. Maybe even 13 or 14. How many aerial balls do you see? Two, three, four a game, maybe? And if you take, which I think is much better, just take the punting of the goalkeeper away then, and let him distribute out of the back, which means then they have to play out of the back. So you go foam and you go basically 10-year-olds, 9-year-olds. They can't lift the ball in the air. So, I, it, again, we're talking about political practice. U.S. soccer, other people had to do something about this because there was some political pressure among a very large body of constituents in this country that can make or break you at the end of the day. So, yes. Saying that, I think the sport is still very healthy. Uh, it's, it's a great sport. It has grown in our, our country and continues to grow in our country at MLS, be it the academies, uh, be it our youth national teams, be it our women's team winning the Olympics again. So <laughs> you know that these things are going to happen. But the unfortunate, the, the, the pretty interesting thing is if people remember, I think they do now when they're looking, Paul Gardner, 18 years ago, wrote an article about concussion, bloody heads, and things like that, and nobody even looked at it. Now, because of a set again, non-playing circumstance, in my opinion, I might be wrong, or pushing buttons. Well, absolutely, and and it's a really really important point to raise there that that it's a good thing that there is this level of awareness in 2015. And, and whether it's someone like Taylor Twelman or, or countless others who have been a part of a movement to bring 
simply to start bringing awareness to an issue that is also oh important, and that is concussions on the soccer field and, and how it damages players physically and psychologically long after their playing careers. I, I'm all for bringing the awareness to it, and I'm grateful that we're even having this discussion right now. It, it's just a question of whether or not we're going over the top with this thing or, or too much too soon or the the actions are being uh, uh taken taken by the wrong hands uh here right. and, and it, it transitions into into something here you brought up the the u.s youth teams and and whether it's the the u17s or, or even teams below that what impact do you think this is gonna have on u.s soccer at at all levels for that matter in the future competing at an international level, that this ban of heading for, for kids under 10 and, and into the, the 11 to 13 ranks, is that going to impact us negatively or potentially positively no, in, in the future? I, I really don't think so. We're, we're a poor heading nation anyway, so <laughs> it's not going <laughs> to get worse, believe me. Just like we are a poor nation in, in, in hitting balls over distance or striking a goal. And I'm going back to the small side again, but people might, might say I'm crazy. But that's because of small-sided games. We have no little national teams, with the exception of Michael Bradley. Nobody can hit the ball consistently over distance by switching the point of attack. When was the last time you saw a U.S. national team player consistently hit the frame from 20, 25 yards out? Because we're creating all dribblers, all players that play without a purpose. The game is the best teacher. You know, that's just so old, telling if there's no teaching going on, if there's no correction going on, then, as we see right now, we will continue to have a vacuum of very good players. The next crop, you go, hmm, I'm not so sure where, where are they coming from. And we should be way beyond where we are right now in terms of developing players. We should have a player that plays for Men United, Bayern Munich. We get so many quantities, but so much not enough quality in terms of coaching and, and the environment. Well, what's the key to, to improving that development, Thomas? I mean, you, you've been in and around the, the U.S. youth system off and on in, in your career for so long. You've, been, you've seen soccer in this country grow from, from, from way back when to where we are now. I mean, so here in 2015, what, what is the biggest key for you in terms of U.S. soccer youth uh, development and with our national teams? People are going to be increased. But if you look at the international game, and yes, I know in Germany and Spain and whatever, they play small set of games, but they play with a, with a purpose. Uh, a player eventually will understand when he has to dribble, where he has to dribble, in reference to, uh, again, time and space and opponents. Uh, a player knows when to shield the ball. A player will know how to switch the point of attack because you play with four goals. Uh, a back four will individual and group tactics without even knowing it. But it's those corrections and that teaching doesn't go on because, and bless their hearts, we have mostly parents and volunteers. It, it, it's hard. We've got to reverse turn it in our coaching system. And I understand, too. I mean, we get pay to play. So there's no reason why our best coaches couldn't be U10 and U12. But it's the other way around. Um... Hopefully, with the MLS trips, gets better. But, but don't make it into, you know, uh, small-sided games and things like that. In, in Holland, with the very high-level clubs, let's say that half the, the BPL is still Dutch players. 
we are producing on the highest level players that are specialists in their position. We have too many players that are positionalists. Uh, is Clint Dempsey a 9 or a 10? Is Mick Discarut a 10 or an 8? Is Michael Bradley a 6 or an 8? Is Demarcus Beasley over time a left midfielder or a left fullback? Is DeAndre Yetlin a right midfielder or a right back? And the list goes on and on and on of players that are positionless. And I truly believe it has to do with just playing small-sided games. When I was the coach of the youth points, most of the players that got there, I said, well, it's a little bit, uh, let's go, go to tryouts. What position? Everybody is a central midfielder. A few forwards, a few defenders. And why? Because they all think they are central midfielders. Because the coaching environment has taught them that. In small spaces, dribble, turn, dribble, turn, dribble again without any purpose. To the curve moves that go forward around. And I just don't get it. So to make specialists again, I start functional, positional training way earlier than at, at, at what level, Thomas? I mean, we, we, we've got two minutes left here with you, and this is this is a really interesting, I don't want to say outside the box, but I'm not hearing this from too many other people. At what age would you like to see people have positions determined in their youth soccer careers? At the latest, U12, I would start with U10. And, and let's don't have less players play all positions on the field for two years because that's healthy. That's, that's, that's recreation. That's not, you know, I'm talking about I want to create a world-class player, not just a fun guy that wants to run around a little bit. Well, absolutely, and and so so at, at a young age, getting this in that, that they could be a, a specialist at a position, and you, and you really think that that could make a huge difference for, for the U.S. national team moving forward, Thomas. You hone your skills each and every day. I do warm-up guys in position. Players run. Right, but the left fullback plays left fullback. The left fullback plays a ball to the 10. Right, the 10 plays the 6. 6 splits the point of attack to 2. So in position, already they open up. They play with the right leg. They know when to go forward. And this is without opposition. We stretch a little bit. We play a little bit. Now we transfer it. We need to get to the game, the real game, as quickly as possible in practice. Proper numbers. Another 66 games in, in international football. APA. And I know the six, seven, eight-year-olds, you know, smaller girls, I get that, believe me. But somehow we have to identify talented players first and foremost, and then we have to identify what best, what best skill set fits. And then what, no, what, what suits them the best? I'm with you, Thomas. Thomas, it's always fun having you on the show, and that definitely is a, uh, a thought raiser as we head to break. Look forward to getting you back on again sometime. Have a great day, man. Thanks. Bye. Again, that was Thomas Rongen right here on World Soccer Talk Radio. Back after this. Stay tuned. You're listening to World Soccer Talk Radio with your host, Nada Barea, on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. Find me another radio show where the liner music ranges from Earth, Wind, and Fire to Ozzy Osbourne from, from segment to segment. That is fantastic. Cheers to you, Scott Cuddy, back aboard the mothership in San Francisco, California. 
Big thank you to Thomas Rongan for joining us, talking to us from uh, down in FLA, and a uh, very compelling discussion. I, I promised a, a very, I don't want to say too serious of a show, but it, it's such a, a serious topic going on right now, and, and what I've really been enjoying is just listening to all sides. And, and it's something that's, I, I think, lost on a lot of people here, and this notion of just painting with big, sweeping, broad, generalizing strokes, it doesn't do us any good. And that goes for any side of this argument, debate, conversation, whatever you want to call it. Listen to everybody, whether you agree with them or not. Listen to as many opinions on this topic as possible. Listen to a a parent of a youth soccer player. Listen to the points that Brian McBride is making uh, uh, in who's pretty much against this this implementation, this ruling from from U.S. soccer. Listen to the points that, that Taylor Twellman is making and so many other former players and former managers. Go back and listen to some of the stuff that Thomas touched on there in the last couple of segments and what what we're doing right now. Are we overreacting? Are we simply over overacting? Are we are we jumping too soon? Is political correctness playing a role? Are are we actually doing a good thing and protecting our kids? Are are we saving the the brains of of the youth soccer players of America? These are questions I want to ask them. I want to search for answers, and I want you to search for answers with me. And one of the biggest keys in that is listening to everybody and making sure that you don't just go, well, this is how I'm thinking. This is stupid. This is just uh, overly political cor- political correctness, and, and this makes soccer a, a sissy game, and, and look at how the world's viewing us right now. This is ridiculous. Get, get that out of your head. Also, if you're going, this is just fantastic, and there's no way that someone could, if someone's against this, that means they're, they're for brain damage to kids. I mean, I, I've legitimately heard people saying stuff like that. I mean, that's, that's the extent right there on, on both ends of the spectrum that, that I hear, and both of those annoy me oh so much. Listen to everybody here, form your own opinions, but give everybody the platform that they deserve. I don't want to hear people spouting off ignorance. You don't deserve a platform if you're just spouting off ignorance. But listen to everybody. Listen to as many takes on this topic as possible because it's not one that can be simplified and, and pigeonholed and, and really just brushed off with, with one or two statements. This is something that people have dedicated. You know, we, we do this show for an hour every day. I mean, there have been people who have dedicated three-hour radio shows to this over the last couple of days. People have dedicated years to this. I mean, as someone like Taylor Twelman, this is something that has been a, a cornerstone of Taylor's post-soccer playing existence for years now. It's, it's just starting to, to come to fruition as far as the conversation really being heard by the masses. And it's important to remember that. And we've had Taylor Twelman on the show. We talked about concussions in soccer for, for quite a while when we had Taylor back on. That was uh, a few months ago when, when we had the great pleasure of, of having Mr. Twelman on. And, and even in the last few months, all that's gone into this. There, there's so much more than just a ruling earlier this week from U.S. soccer. I mean, the, the articles that, that Thomas referenced that came out 18 to 20 years ago that didn't even make people move an eyelash, didn't even make people 
raise a hand or, or want to ask a further question. It was just brushed off. Ah, rubbish. Ah, get out of here. Yeah, oh, yeah, concussions. Give me a break. At least we're asking these questions. At least we're having the conversation right now. You might not be in full support of this ruling, and I have no problem myself saying right now on this show that I am not in full support of this ruling. I think it, it stems from an aspiration to avoid lawsuits in the future. I think money plays a big role in, in the actual ruling on this thing from U.S. soccer. Does that mean that I'm, I, I want all of my youth players who I coach, I've coached high school soccer for the last six years, that I want to practice headers for three hours a day and, and tell my kids to toughen up when one of them is getting a little woozy out there? No. No. Okay? Let's find, let's find some nuance here. Let's be rational. Let's be objective. And, and let's give the respect that's due to people who have worked tirelessly to make sure that we're even having this conversation. You and I on this show right now. On, and then the, the buddies over at, at Sirius XM and ESPN and, and Fox and everywhere else that, that I've talked to over the last few days. Let, let's at least tip our cast to the people that have made this conversation relevant. And, and I speak, well, again, whether it's Taylor Twelman or so many others who have taken it upon themselves to make sure that we're having this conversation. I'm glad to have this conversation. And I want to see proper protocol implemented in the entire world of soccer. And, and it's great that we're being the trailblazers here in America. I just don't fully support the exact way that we're going about this right now. I do not support this ruling. I think that the points that Brian McBride made on Twitter a couple of days ago, and I, I retweeted a couple of these, you can check them out, uh, really you know, hit the nail on the head, which is we're just going to completely take heading away from these kids, completely take it away. And then when they're 11 to 13, we're just going to throw them into the line of fire. And then they're going to get into high school. And, or even though from 11 to 13, we're going to be limiting heading practice and training with, with these players from, from the age of 11 to 13. So then, then they're in high school. Then they're, then they're playing high school soccer and, and kids are going through puberty and massive growth spurts and, and gaining muscle and speed and, and game head and, and all sorts of stuff that comes with age. And that's the time that we want them to really start learning how to use their head on the soccer field, I'm, I'm not in, in full support of that. And, and Brian McBride, again, someone who we've had on the show before and, and someone who's had a few concussions in his life on the soccer field, Brian says that, that learning how to head the ball at a young age will make sure that when that kid gets older, he will engage the right muscles, use his forehead, so the ball doesn't cause a concussion. I mean, we, we could go on for hours about the technical side of a, of a proper header. I'd rather do that with, uh, you know, the, the aid of some video assistance right there. You know, give a, give a TED talk on this or something. It doesn't really translate on, on radio quite as well. But you get the point here. And, and it, it's this notion that we can't just teach them at a young age how to do something properly to where it doesn't damage them later on. And... Thomas brought up something that, that really had me thinking during that last break, and, and that is the, this idea of banning or, or outlawing, whatever you want to call it, goalkeeper punts until 
high school or, or until U14, U15 ball. I'd be more interested in exploring that option than this idea of banning headers from youth soccer. And, and, and look, there's so many. Again, we could go on for hours about this. We've actually only got a few more minutes before we're going to head to another break here. But people have, have brought up ideas that or, or just raised thoughts of high challenges of, wait, the ball's bouncing chest to neck high. Are there going to be more high cleats, high boots hitting people in the chest? Is, you know, is, is the Nigel DeJong special going to suddenly become a, a cornerstone of, of youth soccer because people can't use their heads? What's that going to mean for, for collisions on the soccer field? There, there's so many different things that, that this ruling raises that I honestly don't think, and this is how I want to wrap this up here, I honestly don't think that these were fully considered by the people who made this ruling at USSF. I really don't think that, that the endless list of potential repercussions uh, with this banning of headers and, and, the, and the other things that it raises when you have people making really logical points that heading the ball is actually not the main cause of concussions on the soccer field. We go, oh, well, well, head-to-head collisions come from heading the ball. That's partly true. It's not always true. In fact, most of the time, it's not true. Thomas, in, in 30 seconds there in the last segment, referenced five different instances that have happened in the last six months where a player has had nothing to do with heading the soccer ball and has picked up a concussion. So... What's next? What do we do from here with this ruling? And what is it going to mean for, for U.S. soccer's advancement? What's it going to mean for, for us as a soccer nation? Should we even be worried about how the rest of the world views us? Should we just do things our own way? Should we be the trailblazers for concussion awareness? Are we going over the top? Again, these are questions that I'm raising right now. I've got opinions I don't have cement answers. I don't think anybody does right now. There's a few. There's some, believe me, there's some, some scientific research that, that definitely I could, could be called answers that are, that are cemented. But for the most part, we're a lot of people sharing our opinions right now. One of the, the best things that I feel I could do as a host of this radio show is raise these questions, and when we end this show today, have you go off and think about these questions and formulate your own opinions and think about what you feel is right in regards to headers in youth soccer, in regards to concussion protocol, how much, pardon me, how much those two things relate concussion protocol and headers in youth soccer or even soccer beyond the youth ranks. I want to raise the questions. I want to come to conclusions with you. And once we're done today, go off on your own and and think about this stuff. And again, the best thing that you can do, this is just my opinion here, best thing that you can do if you're interested in this discussion, if you're passionate about this discussion, if you've got an opinion and you stand behind your opinion and your beliefs, listen to everybody else. Listen to as many opinions and perspectives as possible. It will make your opinion, your belief system, in my opinion, it will make it more valid. The more people that you listen to, the less you paint with broad strokes, 
the more valid your opinion and, and beliefs become. And so again, I encourage you to check out some of the things that Brian McBride has written over the last few days. I strongly encourage you to read some of the writings from Taylor Twelman, to check out his appearance on Outside the Lines, to listen to some of my good friends over at SiriusXM, to check out what Kyle Martino has said uh, on, on Twitter over the last few days. Another great friend of the show. And, and Kyle, Kyle, I mean, call this maybe a little bit of dark humor here, but Kyle even tweeted out, anyone against new protocols in a game, yes, a game, to protect our children's brains, probably headed the ball too much as a kid. Well, there you go. That's an opinion. <laughs> Might have some dark humor within, but I'm willing to listen to that. And I want to listen to Thomas Rongan. I want to listen to Alexi Lalez. I want to listen to fans. I want to listen to players. I want to listen to parents of youth players. I want to listen to everybody because that's what's going to make my beliefs more valid is the more perspectives that I gain in this discussion. Hey, Fubo TV, if you checked it out yet, you need to get on it. Fubo TV is offering you a free 24-hour trial. You got to go to worldsoccertalk.com slash F-U-B-O TV El Clasico. Almost a week away. Would you believe that Mr. Magisterial and Phil Shane will be in Madrid for the Madrid-Barcelona Clasico clash. And as you know, the aforementioned Phil Shane and Ray Hudson, the game is shown exclusively in the U.S. on BN Sports and BN Sports Espanol. And guess what Fubo TV has in their soccer channel arsenal? They've got BN Sports. That's right. Fubo TV, a completely legal streaming service, service that features tons of games each week from La Liga, MLS, Liga MX, Serie A, English Championship, Capital One Cup, and more. You get BN, BN Espanol, Gold TV, Univision Deportes, Unamas, and Fusion. It's got DVR functionality. It works on your smartphone, your computer, your tablet, your Roku, your Amazon Fire, new Apple TV, all that good stuff. And you can get your 24-hour free trial today. Get on it right now. WorldSoccerTalk.com slash F-U-B-O-T-V. And if you like what you see, lock in that low $6.99 monthly rate today. Thanks to Fubo TV for their support of World Soccer Talk Radio. Again, WorldSoccerTalk.com slash Fubo TV, F-U-B-O TV. Back to close this baby out right here on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned. Welcome back in to World Soccer Talk Radio here on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. Great week it has been. Hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Huge thank you to Daniel Taylor, our guest, back on Monday. Miles Jacobson, Eric Stover, and, of course, Thomas Rongen today. Really enjoyed talking with Eric Stover yesterday, and I encourage everybody out there to check out the NASL Championship, the final on Sunday, 5 p.m. Eastern, uh, with our good friends on uh, One World Sports NASL final between the Ottawa Fury and the New York Cosmos. And think about some of the points that Thomas Rongen raised on the show today. Stepping away from the the concussion and and header uh, conversation, Thomas raised a couple of really interesting points that I'm going to be thinking about all weekend now. And and that is especially with the fact that I'm heading back up north as soon as the show is off the air today, and I'll be starting up my sixth season coaching a high school soccer team uh, up there in Redding, California, and cannot wait to get that back underway. 
Thomas's idea that we need to start getting players in position earlier, that we need to decide where a player is at his best at the earliest age possible so we don't have all of these players at the senior level for the U.S. men's national team where we don't really know what their best position is. I'm going to be thinking about that all weekend. Hope you're thinking about a whole lot of things that we raised on the show today. Raise the questions, start the conversation, come up with your own answers. I'll talk to you on Monday. Love you. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Nate Abarea signing off for Scott Cuddy and Chris Harris. Bye for now. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.